I expect some of you have been doing jigsaws over the Christmas and New Year holidays, trying to fit all those different pieces together to form a picture. That mixture of frustration and satisfaction as the picture forms. I want to share a meditation on a jigsaw puzzle that helps us to think about our own lives and how those pieces, all the jumbled up pieces of our lives, are being brought together into a picture in God's love. Lord, sometimes my life is like a jigsaw puzzle. Higgly-piggly pieces in a heap, all confused, nothing fitting together. Each piece is different. Some are plain blue, reflecting serenity. Others, a riot of colour. A bit of this, a bit of that. Expressing vitality, perhaps chaos, maybe. Sometimes we try to sort out the pieces a bit. Find the corners, separate the straight edges. Begin to piece the picture together. But sometimes, just when we think we can see the picture, which is our life, it doesn't make sense. But you, Lord, remember the emerging picture. You do not forget. You wait with us in our confusion. And when the time is right, gently prompt us to pick up the split pieces and go on. So speak order out of chaos once again. Show us where we can find the corner pieces of ourselves and the straight edges. And with your deft touch and gentle touch, make the puzzle with us bit by bit until your time is right and we are complete. And thank you that there is both delight in putting together the puzzle and in seeing it finished. Let's use this prayer together as we sense all those different pieces that make up who we are. And then we see ourselves in God's light. Lord, we picture our lives made sense by your Spirit and held in your love, now and forever. Amen. The picture that emerges today is the picture of Christ knowing himself loved by God and pleasing to him. That great famous uh, painting, that moment of the spirit descending like a dove. Let's hear that reading now from Mark's Gospel. Interesting that Mark has no Christmas story. Instead he simply announces the beginning, the beginning of the Gospel the good news of Jesus. 
and then launches in with the story of John the Baptist and the baptism of Jesus. Let's listen to how God can speak to us today through those words. And Mary William is to read this to us. The reading is from Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the River Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Amen. Lord, may your ever new word speak in our hearts now. In Jesus' name. Amen. The news this week has been pretty grim. The spiralling numbers of coronavirus cases and resulting deaths, the closure of schools just the day after they opened, the new lockdown and the terrible scenes in Washington. With attention elsewhere, China intensified its crackdown on democracy activists in Hong Kong, portraying them as much like the thugs who invaded Capitol Hill, and many other oppressive regimes smiled at America's troubles. We won't want to see a week like that again very soon. Yet, perhaps behind the grim headlines, there is reason to hope as well. The vaccination programme is gathering pace with global cooperation producing three vaccines already in use in the UK. The education of our country's children is continuing through the hard work of teachers and parents, despite the incompetency of the Education Secretary. American democracy has survived 
and will be all the stronger in the months ahead. And the voices of freedom in Hong Kong and mainland China won't be silenced forever. They will bubble up again and again in the years ahead. There is hope. There are new beginnings. And our gospel is all about hope and new beginnings. Mark is a writer in a hurry. The pace of his gospel is breakneck. breakneck, And one of his favourite connecting phrases is and immediately, as he connects one story and event with the next. So, in just 11 verses, he takes us to the declaration of Jesus as beloved Son of God, a declaration from heaven itself. He has nothing to say about the birth of Jesus. It's the baptism that is his focus as he starts his gospel. There Jesus begins his ministry. There Jesus goes public. As Mark writes, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. It's an event that has caused huge debate among theologians and thinkers in the Christian church. But rather than go into those debates, I simply want to reflect on three aspects of that baptism, that beginning. Jesus was baptised alongside the crowd, the ordinary people. Jesus was baptised by John, that great almost Old Testament prophet in the New Testament. And Jesus was baptised by the Spirit of God. John came baptising with water. Jesus came baptising with the Spirit. So let's explore those three aspects a little further. The crowd had come to see the great prophet, the great new preacher, John, known as John the Baptizer. He was speaking out against the injustices and corruptions he saw in society and challenging the people to repent, to literally turn round and face a new direction, to own up the, to the wrong in their thinking and their living and to make a new beginning with God, forgiven and free. John was no crowd pleaser. He wasn't some kind of populist preacher like our populist politicians who are trying to say the things that they think that people want to hear. John didn't try to manipulate people. He said it straight confronting people, whatever their status or position. And ultimately, it cost him his freedom and his life. Jesus identified with that message. Mark says that after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. 
repent and believe the good news. John and Jesus demand change within the crowd. Change of heart and mind and action. Repent. Repentance is an old-fashioned word. And perhaps we use it much less within the church today. But we do need repentance. On all kinds of levels within our society, on every level, we need a return to God. For every human being, there is wrong of which we need to repent. To turn away from evil, to reach out to good. Know the good news of God's mercy and forgiveness and start again. Repent, turn around. Jesus is baptised to identify with John's message of change and new beginning. He's baptised to, to identify with the crowd, the ordinary people in their need for a new beginning through the grace of God. But Jesus' baptism is more than that, more than solidarity with John and the people. It's a baptism from God, that spirit of truth and love that is poured out at that moment. Heaven is ripped open as Jesus, the Son of God, comes out of the water into that rebirth of dying and rising. It's a foretaste of the baptism to come, the baptism of the cross. Much later in the Gospel, Jesus tells the disciples that a baptism faces him, the baptism of his death on the cross, dying for the world, rising to eternal life for us all. Heaven ripped open once more, the curtain torn from top to toe as Jesus dies on the cross. That's what his baptism is pointing to, to the cross and the gift of his life for all. Heaven ripped open once more so that the Spirit of God can be poured out into the hearts and minds and lives of the followers of Jesus, into our lives today. Last week was a grim one, but it's over and a new week is beginning. Today isn't the last day of the week. Your diary, my calendar, may well put Sunday as the last day, with Monday as the beginning of the week. Christians slipped into that habit when they took Sunday to be their Sabbath, the day of rest, the seventh day. That's not how the first Christians saw it. For them, the Sabbath rest was over. A new day and a new dawn had come. Like them, 
we worship not on the last day of the week, but the first. We begin our week, our week of whatever it will bring, with praise and worship, with focus on God, with openness to God's Spirit. It's from that, that, that worship that our daily lives must flow, filled with the love of God. In fact, in a way, we worship not even on the first day of the week, but on the eighth day of the week. A day that takes us into the realm of the Spirit, the new beginning that God wants to make in our lives. And that's why the font has eight sides, because it speaks of that new, new beginning, beyond, in a sense, beyond this life, into the reality of God and God's love. So today, on this first day of a new week, a week of great opportunities to love God and to love our neighbour, at the beginning of this new week, let's stand in solidarity with John and Jesus as they confront the evil and injustices in our world. Let us join in solidarity with the crowd in repenting and turning away from what degrades our lives and the lives of other people. Let us stand in solidarity with Jesus and know that Spirit of God working in our lives as well. That in Christ we may know ourselves as God's beloved children and act in ways that are pleasing to our Saviour and our Lord. Amen.